Welcome to Inside the Vatican with American Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll spend a few minutes remembering Diego Maradona, the iconic Argentine soccer player who won the hearts of people around the world, including the Pope. Then we'll talk about this weekend's consistory. Francis created 13 new cardinals. We'll talk about who they are and how this year's celebration was different. And finally, much like the conclave that was pared down, Christmas in the Vatican is also going to be pared down. We'll talk about what the Vatican has planned. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New Orleans, Jerry. Good afternoon from a wet and cold Rome, Colleen. It's wet and cold here in New Orleans, too. Uh, Jerry, it's been kind of a, a an interesting week, um, I guess. There's not a lot of news stories that tend to touch both uh, the States and, and Italy in the same way, but we saw one this week, or last week, on Wednesday, uh, the soccer superstar Diego Maradona died, um, and... I, I don't know about you, but my house has been kind of uh, in mourning. We've been watching all of the Maradona documentaries and listening to podcasts and everything to to try to remember him. And uh, and he actually had a connection with Pope Francis, which is why we're also mentioning this here. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, they're both Argentinians for a start. And of course. Uh, he was cr- clearly perhaps history's greatest, if not one of the greatest uh, footballers. Mm -hmm. Uh, They called him a genius. And uh, Pope Francis often, he he jokes when he meets Brazilians and says, uh, you know, who who is the best, Pele or Maradona? And uh, there's no doubt who Francis thinks is best. Right. (laughs) They they had a very good relationship. Uh, Francis, of course, was in his early life, was really enthusiastic about football. He used to go to the stadium with his dad. And uh, even still follows what's happening. And Maradona was came from Argentina. He went first to Spain, and then he came to Naples. And there he is almost treated like a, a god. Yeah, well, he kind of brought that team from being not so great to one of the best. Well, the people of Naples are ever grateful to Maradona because they say he gave dignity to their city to their team but he, he somehow put them on the map in a very very big way because they, they won the cup twice and uh, of course he, he was a star and and he was a very sociable character he, he had all kinds of problems in his life with drugs with uh, uh, affairs etc but they loved him they loved him because he really brought joy to people and uh, you see when francis became pope and uh, he started these games to bridge different uh, groups of players from different countries to uh, promote peace in, in, in the world. And Maradona came right from the beginning, joined, and there's wonderful photos of him meeting the Pope and then embracing, hugging the Pope. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to some of the Argentinians who work in the Vatican the other night, and they were saying, you know, how as young men they were inspired by him right even even with all of his his you know substance abuse issues and everything else he inspired people to kind of live their life to the fullest is 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 what i hear from people yeah for the young people the poor children and the young boys in the 
in the Vijas, in that's in the shanty towns in the slums of Buenos Aires and the other cities in across Latin America. He, he, he was something that showed them that you can do something with your life, even, even if you start from almost nothing. That's right. That's right, because that's exactly where he came from. Yeah, and I, I think he, he will go down in history as someone who inspired people who were coming from nowhere to go somewhere. Yeah, and I think one last thing that we should mention, since this is the Inside the Vatican podcast, is that he uh, also kind of credited Francis with with bringing him back to the church. He said uh, he said he had drifted away from the church, but that Francisco brought him back. Yes, and uh, Maradona had the faith of the simple people, the ordinary people. He he had this very basic belief. It was a basic trust in God. And with Francis, he seemed to have really strengthened that. Mm -hmm. All right, Jerry, we could talk about Maradona all day long. I think that we'll just leave our listeners with um, a news clip where they can hear just the announcers going wild and and feel that excitement that, that Maradona brought to so, so many people. All right, for our main story this week, uh, Pope Francis created 13 new cardinals this weekend in a ceremony that's called a consistory. Um, due to COVID travel restrictions, only 11 of those 13 actually made it to Rome for the in-person ceremony, and the other two held events where they're living right now. Um, Jerry, I want to talk in a little bit about who the new cardinals are, because we haven't spent much time on that. Uh and I also want to talk about how COVID changed things this year. But first, let's talk about this idea of a consistory, um, because it's it's kind of a general term, right? That means just a, a gathering of cardinals. But then we see it as being synonymous with, with creating new cardinals now. And part of that is because Francis has been holding so many more of these. I, I wonder if you could talk to me about kind of the differences in the way that Francis has been approaching consistories versus past popes in recent memory. Well, uh, first of all, there are different types of consistories, uh, and this is one type. R remember, you have to understand a consistory, you have to understand that a cardinal is the advisor, the counselor to the Pope. Mm -hmm. So the Pope sometimes calls consistories gatherings of cardinals when he wants to consult them on a given issue. He, uh, Francis did one of these before the Synod on the family, for example. But these consistories that we're dealing with now are the ones where he brings the cardinals together to introduce new members into the College of Cardinals. And Francis has moved every year since he's been Pope, he's held a consistory. So Francis holds these a lot more often than past popes, right? Well, if you look at John Paul II, he reigned, he was Pope for about almost around 26 years, he held nine consistories, an average of one every three years. And uh, he created, is the word they use, he created 231 cardinals. Now, Francis, in seven years, has held seven consistories, one every year, and he's made 95 cardinals. Now, 73 of those 95 are cardinals who today can vote in a conclave. 
And the men that Francis is choosing to be cardinals are also really different, right, from from his predecessors. He tends to choose cardinals from from really the far reaches of the world. He's chosen cardinals from 19 countries that were never before represented in the College of Cardinals. And I wanted to ask you about the fact that he generally makes these appointments as a surprise. Is that different from his predecessors? Yes, very different. Because his predecessors, generally, they did a lot of consultation before they named the cardinal. So they would ask nuncios in different countries who's a possible can. They would have discussions in the Secretariat of State. Francis does a little, but very little of this. Indeed, we've seen him in the past, not this time, but in the past, we've seen him put his hand in his pocket and pull out the names just before he read them out. And nobody knew it. he was going to make cardinals on that day. Including the actual cardinals themselves, yes. which has resulted in this kind of charming uh, trend of news stories where you get to hear the story of, of cardinals finding out in the middle of their daily tasks that, that they've been named a cardinal. Um, why does Francis choose to do this? You would think that in a way, doing more research, consulting more people would be better, right? So, so why, why does he like to do this in a surprise way? Well, as he saw his predecessors, John Paul II especially, but also Benedict to some extent, when people got the wind that there was going to be, the Pope was going to make new cardinals, a lot of suggestions and pressures and uh, almost, I wouldn't say vetoes, but uh, attempts to dissuade from making this one or that one cardinal. And Francis doesn't want to get into this game. Francis is uh, then they uh, in the past uh, you made a cardinal because he was in this diocese in this city so the uh, for example the patriarch of venice he would automatically become a cardinal in the last hundred years but francis hasn't gone that way francis has said no no i am looking at the man to see what kind of man he, he's looking for certain ty- types of people he's got an identikit if you wish of the type of cardinal he wants yeah, tell me, tell me about those traits that he looks for in a cardinal. He first of all looks for a, a man who's who's a holy man, a, pr- a man of prayer, a man who's not a careerist. He doesn't like people who are careerists. He he, he wants a, a man who doesn't consider himself a, as a kind of a prince or a princely figure or a person that's above other people. In other words, not a person who is looking for social status, or as he said this Sunday, someone who, who wants to be eminence. He doesn't want this kind of, he, he wants somebody who cares for the poor, who has a lifestyle that is simple, who has a lifestyle uh, where he is open to people, not judgmental. He, he, he's looking for men who are committed to the culture of encounter and dialogue, not people who are out for confrontation. He doesn't want culture warriors. He's made this very clear. And in fact, if you look in the United States and the cardinals he has named, he has avoided making culture warriors cardinals. Yeah, that's right. He's chosen a lot of people who are who are more in line with, with his own approach. Um, Jerry, you mentioned that he had said this Sunday, uh, kind of not to not to seek out this title of eminence, right? Which is generally you address a cardinal as your eminence. Um there was a great headline that I want to mention from the Associated Press from Nicole Winfield. Um, it said, Pope Francis creates 13 new cardinals and immediately puts them in their place, <laughs> uh, which is very much what he did. You know, he his whole homily was about about humility and about, you know, not not letting this be making you a, a prince of the church, as, as they were once called. 
You know, the, the papacy is the last absolute monarchy in a sense, and Francis is doing his best to uh, chip away at the, at the monarchical aspects of the papacy and of the cardinals. And the cardinals were known as princes of the church. Francis doesn't want anything of that. So, Jerry, we were talking about, you know, what, what Francis's image of a cardinal is. Um, let's talk about the folks that he had, that he selected this year. Uh, obviously, a couple weeks ago when this was announced, we talked about Wilton Gregory, who was the bishop of Washington, D.C., who becomes uh, the U.S.'s first African-American cardinal, which is which is a big, big sign of support and of, of kind of progress uh, in the states and is a great endorsement from Pope Francis. But let's talk about some of the other interesting folks. Um, I wanted to talk with you about Father Cantalamessa, who actually, he was he's the uh, the preacher of the papal household. He has been for the last few papacies. And he is an interesting one because he he wasn't made a bishop, right? He's a he's a cardinal priest and he actually went to the consistory wearing his Franciscan habit instead of you know, wearing wearing the scarlet clothes. Why did he Why did he do that? Well, he said in an interview. He said, "I've lived my life in this friar's habit. I want to be buried in it." And he he told the Pope this, and he said to the Pope, "Look, I'm 86 years old. I'm not going to be an active bishop. So why make me a bishop? And it's just an extra problem." He said, I, I, "God has given me the gift as a preacher. I'll continue preaching as as long as I can." And the Pope said, "Very good." Let's also talk about one of these bishops who was chosen kind of from from the world's margins, right, which is uh, Antoine Kambanda, who is from Kigali in Rwanda. And he has had kind of a very dramatic life path. Um, I wonder if you could tell me about that. He was, uh, he's 62 years old now, but he, he went through a traumatic childhood. His mother, his father, five of his siblings were killed in the genocide in Rwanda against the Tutsis in 1994. And he's, he survived, and he has committed himself to working for reconciliation and peace in his country. And Francis has been very impressed by him. So he, he named him, and he's the first cardinal in Rwanda. Oh, wow. Cool. You know, one of the big ways in which this year's consistory was was so different was that it took place in time of pandemic, and and that meant that there were, you know, there would usually be so many celebrations, receptions, and everything around this time, and you know, the new cardinals would be making the rounds in Rome, seeing everyone, meeting everyone. Um, none of that could happen this year, right? And in fact, instead. <laughs> They had to quarantine for the last ten days in in the Santa Marta guest house where the Pope lives, and and live, you know, sort of like prisoners. They had food delivered to their door. Um, what did we hear from the cardinals about what that was like? There's not been a consistory in such conditions in in the in the history of the, certainly not in the recent history of the Church, where you have a, a pandemic where people. Normally, you have six, for example, this time, six of the 13 car new cardinals are Italian. And normally, the Italians, you, you can get a thousand people coming to with the Italians. Now, each cardinal could bring 10 persons. And that's it. And in the consistory, in when the Pope held it in St. Peter's Basilica, as people will have seen on the television, you had about 
the 13 cardinals and maybe 50 other cardinals. And then you had many cardinals from different parts of the world, like uh, Cardinal Supic from Chicago, Cardinal Tobin, Newark, uh, Cardinal uh, World from Washington, on, on the little screens of the zoo. Yeah. So I think to, to sum this all up, you know, to maybe put into bullet points, the way that Francis is is changing kind of the church's whole relationship with cardinals, right, is that he's he's cu cutting down on the politicking, right, with these surprise appointments. He's prioritizing these voices from the margins. And, you know, he's making the cardinals work together in kind of a, a way that we haven't seen a lot of before in, in synods by bringing them together. And then he's ensuring that this new vision of what cardinals are supposed to be continues on by appointing a whole bunch of cardinal electors to to kind of ensure that the, this vision continues. So we're really seeing a big makeover of the church's relationship with cardinals here. And, and significantly, remember this is the first pope from the New World, from outside Europe in modern times. And he has reduced a number of European cardinals Right now, if there was a conclave tomorrow, there would be 53 of, out of the 128 cardinals would be European, whereas the conclave that elected him and his predecessors, the majority were European. He is changing the geography of the College of Cardinals, and he's making it a more global college, uh, recognizing the church in different parts of the world. He's always said, you see the, the reality better from the periphery than from the center so often. We should say that this this consistory, you know, with this very limited guest list, was held with social distancing in St. Peter's, uh, but it was all very much pared down, scaled back. And as we're entering the month of December now, uh, the Vatican is really looking at doing sort of the same thing when it comes to Christmas celebrations. So, you know, we saw we saw the the Christmas tree went up in St. Peter's Square this week, um, but already the usual, you know, Immaculate Conception celebration at the Spanish Steps in Rome has been canceled. It'll be held uh, in inside Vatican City instead. And Jerry, I, I wanted to ask you about What's the situation looking like for the actual Christmas celebrations? In, in the Vatican, it will be almost the same as happened at Easter. The Pope will celebrate Mass in the midnight Mass, but really it'll be about 9 o'clock in the evening or perhaps 8.30. Because remember, we will have a, a curfew in Rome and in Italy at 10 o'clock at night. You have to be in your house by then. So he'll probably start the Mass at 8 so that people can get back home in time to respect the curfew. But he's not going to have what they call the, the, the big ceremonies. In fact, this kind of simple ceremony is what Francis likes. He doesn't like all the pomp and grandeur that often goes with the Christmas ceremony. Pope Francis at the Angelus last Sunday gave three good counsels to people at this time of pandemic. One, live soberly. Two, pay attention Take care of those near you who may be in need. And thirdly, pray in the family in a very simple way. And I think this is what he'll want people to do at Christmas. Yes, I, I think this is the, the mark of sobriety. 
and the mark of care for other people. Love God, love your neighbor. It's very simple. All right, Jerry, we will keep our listeners up to date on all of the pared-down holiday celebrations here on Inside the Vatican. Uh, and we hope that, that you and all of our listeners stay safe in this, this time of maybe higher, higher COVID risk. Thanks so much for talking through this week's stories with me. I really appreciate getting to talk to you. Thank you, Colleen, and uh, happy Advent to all our listeners. Mm-hmm. We wait and hope for Christmas and for a vaccine. Inside the Vatican is a production of America Media. This week's episode was produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Production assistance from the Jesuit Curia in Rome. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Noah Levinson. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org and follow us on Twitter at I-N-S-D-E Vatican Pod. That's inside without the second I, Vatican Pod. You can also email us your comments and questions at insidethevatican at americamedia.org. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Dully. We'll see you next time.